Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Today we're joined by Maxine Laceby, co-founder of premium liquid collagen brand Absolute Collagen. Having launched her business in May 2017 at the age of 49, following a period of 25 years as a full-time mum, Maxine scaled her brand from kitchen table startup to a multi-million pound brand within two years. Maxine has created one of the UK's fastest growing direct-to-consumer brands while managing both ADHD and dyslexia. Today, she shares her advice for new entrepreneurs on building a business later in life and her insights into managing exponential growth within an e-commerce business. Thank you so much, Maxine, for joining How to Start Up today. It's wonderful to have you on, especially given you've just been for a run. It would be great if you could start with a brief introduction as to who you are and a bit about your business. Hello, I'm Maxine Laceby and I am the co-founder and director of Absolute Collagen, a marine collagen supplement that I started via my art degree, which is very bizarre, when I was was looking at what I was putting in my body. And we soon became one of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer beauty brands. Incredible. And when did you start? I started looking into collagen around about 2015, late. But then I spent a long time faffing because... I was bringing out a supplement where the people had to ingest, so I didn't want to kill people, <laughs> obviously. So there was a lot of time with scientists and microbiology. So we actually finally, the official launch was May 17. Fantastic. So you are tried and tested and proven and it works. But given what Absolutely. you said about time, is there anything you'd like to offer a new founder in advice around time and time management and how to find time? When I look back, to the beginning, there is no time. You know, my youngest daughter was doing her A-levels and she'd go to school, I'd be sat at my desk. She'd come home, I'd be sat at my desk. She'd go out with her friends, I'd be sat at my desk. She'd come home, I'd be sat at my desk. And I felt I was there constantly. However, what I will say is almost five years on, I think the job of any good leader or CEO or founder is to enable the business to run without their time. So all I've got is my head in the game. The the company runs really, really well without me, which can sometimes feel a bit, oh, do I like this? But actually, I love it. It's right. And 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 also it empowers others as well. So we've just brought in a new CEO. And that was my decision, because I don't have any experience of running a business. And we're a massive business now that heading for a 20 million pounds turnover. And I feel that it would have been disrespectful of me to assume I was the right leader to take the business forward. That's so interesting. And in such a quick timeframe, you have managed to achieve that and experiencing that growth. But what would you say are those building blocks that you've had to put in place to then bring yourself sort of out of the weeds? Well, first of all, I would say my key piece of advice is always bring you 
every day. Because I think so many people, and I certainly did at the beginning, went into the business thinking I needed to be this. And we always look at other people thinking everyone's got it going on. And actually, I just got so exhausted that I thought, I'm going to bring me every day. I'm going to bring Maxine. And what I don't know, I don't know. I will just ask until I know. And I think by doing that, it again, it in turn empowers others because you're not pretending to be anything and people see through it if you are. And so being honest, being open, seeing strengths in others, empowering others. I guess my biggest strength is knowing what I'm not good at and recognizing what others are. That's And that's super kind important. of how I've built absolute collagen, I'd say. That's really, really interesting because I found mm. I I love to delegate and I have some great team members that I have trust with and have built that trust. But mm. very early on, they've proven and shown what they're capable of and grown and stretched and developed. And it's so exciting to see. But during the interview process of obviously freeing up your time, you need other people to do those tasks that you mm-hmm. were doing. Do you have any advice around recruiting and how to bring the right people into your business? My point of reference up until probably last year was I employ good people. How? Tell me how. I know. <laughs> when I say good people, I mean morally good people. And not. And it sounds so naive, but in the beginning it was just is this person a good person? I just want to surround myself with good people. And yeah. and actually now, yes, we've managed to build our culture around that. And so when we employ from a certain area, be it marketing or brand or whatever, we know what we're looking for in a person. And my point of reference as the founder, co-founder is always, are they a good person? Do I want them to lead my brand? Are they really going to have the absolute forefront of every single thing they do? And that is my point of reference. And I think something to mention is very early on, it takes a lot of courage as when you've started a business and you've, you've got something that you think is brilliant to hand over the reins to somebody that you think is capable. And I did that with digital marketing. I'm not a digital marketer, perhaps in a previous life I could have been or, you know, but I'm 55. It's never going to be my bag. And so I knew I wanted to go direct to consumer. And so I knew digital marketing was going to be big for me. So I did a bit of research, founded a couple of people that I thought were good, went to meet them. And then the one I chose, it took a lot of courage to hand the reins over to her and to say, okay, you've got this. I I don't know. You're talking a language I don't understand. I've found you. I've headhunted you. I then have to find the courage and the respect for her to hand her the reins. And someone else said this is let other people be good just give them that platform to shine and that's something I find so exciting is that when the team are talking together without me and I'm like oh that's all sorted and great and look at what we've all achieved (laughs) it's really funny we had a bit of a crisis yesterday and they held a meeting at three o'clock and I was in the middle of doing something and it was like 10 past three I thought oh damn and I walked into the room and they'd started without me and do you know what that to me was a really positive Mm. experience because they didn't need me they had everything covered fabulous. So when you started Absolute Collagen, what was it you did first right at the beginning? I I started an art degree, fine art degree. One of my first projects was to strip myself bare of makeup and let my hair go grey and look at what I was putting in my body. And I started making and drinking my own bone broth. So it was just like making a gravy or jus. You would boil, boil down the bones and 
drink when it for, for a long, long time and then drink what was left. And then when I left this overnight, it, it formed a jelly and I knew that jelly wasn't fat. And I was like, what is this jelly? And I just had this most amazing sense of well-being. I just felt great. The whites of my eyes were shining. I just felt amazing. My friends going, what are you doing? Because you decide to wear no makeup, let your hair go gray, and yet you look really good. What is it? And I thought, God, you know, I think it's this bone broth. And so I looked, I just kept Googling and speaking to food standards and scientists and going, what, what is this? What, and anyway, anyway, the word <laughs> collagen just kept coming out of the, everybody I spoke to or, or if you, a big words coming out of the screen at me it was collagen, collagen, collagen. And so I started researching collagen and then I found there were skin supplements out there, but none of them were just collagen and it's collagen that is the hero ingredient it's the star player and so I asked myself what did I want I wanted the maximum my body needed of the finest collagen because not all collagens equal there's bovine there's marine and then there's different dietons of collagen so your body breaks it down differently so I did my research into that I wanted it ready mixed I wanted it easy for travel and very importantly I did not want to pay a lot of money for it. So the skin supplements out there were quite expensive. And I just thought, I don't want to pay that. And somebody really, really challenged me on this. And they said, why? I mean, what you got to bear in mind now is all the collagen supplements have based their price on us. You know, we're, we're the, uh, the the market leaders. But then that I was the one setting the bar. And I, he really challenged me. So why are you not happy putting another £10 a box on this? I said, it doesn't feel right. And I really went into myself and thought, yeah, why? Why is this, Maxine? And what I finally discovered is it's the fact that I come from a very humble background, single parent, worked all alike, you know, just worked all the hours God sent. And when I was going around the shops and my mum, when I was about seven, holding her hand, looking at these beautiful department stores, I was wondering why my mum couldn't afford what other mums could. And that's where it came from. So my lesson there is your brand must be you. If you try and be anything else, your brand will reek a sense of not real, not genuine. And so for me, I think what I have done all throughout my journey is remained completely true to myself, who I am, what I stand for, my morals and my principles. It's really, really interesting. And I think this touches back on showing up every day as you and not trying to be anything else. And I think a lot of people talk about the vulnerability of being a founder or somebody starting a business because you're at the coalface. You don't have a big company in your email signature anymore. You're starting something new that probably hasn't been done before. So how do you handle that potential insecurity? Yeah, I guess, again, I was an older woman. So I started it at 49, 50. And I remember putting myself out there for networking. I hate networking. Absolutely. Some's great, some's not. But at the time, I was like, oh, do I really want to do this? Anyway, and I kind of showed up in London at a few talks and stuff. And, and the Department of International Trade or the uh, there's lots of people that do events where you can showcase your products. And I went along to a couple of these. And I went under the radar because I was the older woman in the room with gray hair boiling up. At that point, I was actually buying in collagen. But my story was I'd started boiling up in my <laughs> kitchen. So they just saw me as a white witch. <laughs> and, you know, as, a, as an older woman with grey hair, I was stood along some absolutely stunning people. And I went unnoticed. And actually, that became my superpower because I went completely under the radar. But as far as the effect on me, again, had I been in my mid-20s being ignored, I would probably have taken it 
quite personally, but being an older woman with some confidence and actually confidence in my product. I knew my point of reference has always been the product works. And I wanted, it was never about bottom line ever. It was about this product works. I want to get it out to as many people. So having complete faith in your idea. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. When, when nobody else did, nobody my friends thought I was absolutely balmy. My kids were like, oh, here she goes again. Just, you know. You just got to put your best foot forward though, haven't you? And you've got to, if you're going to work this hard and take all the blows and feel that insecurity, it's got to be worth it. You've got to really believe in it. I just knew I, I've got ADHD and that means I'm kind of always all over the place in my thinking. So I, and I'm solution focused. So I will always look at, ideas of everything and and think there's a way around things given that you've scaled so fast is what have you learned about working with others whilst you've set up your own business that I work really well with other people um and that surprises me really because I had quite a lonely childhood and I say that in a positive way because it enabled me to like being on my own and being ADHD and solution focused I will always 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 find a way around something and I tend to do it all on my own and so I'm actually really surprised how well I do work with people I spend a lot of time in my personal life on my own and by choice I like to be alone being alone is where I get my energy I'm very empowering for younger people my team is very young and I see a lot of good in young, you know, and I I can empower them and see what they're good at. Yeah, I'm really good at working with people. I'm surprised at how good I am. But I think that's because I recognise what I'm not good at. Yes. And it's knowing when to put your hand up for help, for sure. And given at the beginning, you're wearing all the hats and you've got multiple different things that you need to be thinking about. How do you structure your day? And how do you draw boundaries around your personal self and your professional self? I don't think I had any boundaries in the beginning. Again, I know I keep banging on about it, but because I'm ADHD and dyslexic, everything takes me four times as long because one, I get distracted so easily and everything takes me so, so long. And I just resign myself to that's the way it's going to be. And and I yeah, as I said, in the early days, there was no time for me, but I had grown up children. One was at uni, one was at doing her A-levels. Nobody really needed me. I was single. So I didn't have that commitment of, of saying, oh, I need to spend time with this person. And that worked for me. I I do look at people younger with young families and think, how the hell yeah. do they do it? Now, I was a very, yeah. very happy stay-at-home mum until I started my business. And I take my hat off anybody that does it all. I don't know how they do it. I met a founder recently who had a six-month-old baby and was starting their business. And I was like, I can just about remember to take the recycling out. <laughs> how on earth are you doing this? But again, you know what I do think? And I, I speak from a woman's point of view because I am a woman, not for any other reason. We are built for endurance. Women are, even if you look at our physical we we give birth for goddamn sake you know we make a baby we give birth we then are constantly sleep sleep deprived deprived we are built for endurance and it's in our dna 100% yeah so true and looking back over the past few years that you have built this business are there any holes in the road that you'd want to flag to new founders I suppose for me, the biggest hole in the road was banks never listened to me. And I think I was a woman and I was self-funded. 
And was this for investment? Not less. No, I didn't. I, I self-funded. Um, and I think a lot of I've been reading a lot lately and a lot of women do self-fund. And that's changing, thank gosh. And when you self-fund, you don't have a relationship with your bank. So we were turning over quite a few million and I couldn't get the bank to phone me up. Hmm. And I ended up going to, uh, I went to the Alison Rose report. Alison yes. Rose is the lady commissioned to, she, oh, yeah. amazing, absolutely amazing. I went to, you know, she, she was commissioned to write a piece on female entrepreneurs by, I think it was RBS. And there's 250 billion pounds missing from the UK economy because women are not yeah. empowered yeah. to start companies at the same rate as men. Yes, I love that yeah. report. And they self-fund. Yeah. You know, I, I was never going to ask for money. It just, and I, I don't know why that is. I think women tend to be self-sufficient and or risk adverse. Or risk averse. I don't know. I'm definitely not risk averse. I'm a hundred percent a risk taker. I look, I think through the consequences of that risk. That's what I do. And so I went to this Alison Rose report in Birmingham, and there was a room full of I don't know five hundred women. And they said at the end, has anyone got any questions? And I, I stood up and said, you know, I've been running this business for two years. Nobody will listen to me. I can't even get my bank to phone me. And since that was an amazing day for me, because I ended up then going on to the NatWest uh, Entrepreneur Programme, which I can highly recommend, and learned a lot, learned a lot about investment. And that's when I ended up looking, okay, I'm ready for investment now. So the biggest hole in the road for me was nobody listened to me. Nobody listened to me. And it's not until I got to a certain turnover that everyone started looking at me. And that was quite annoying, to be honest with you. I found yeah, that very, quite demoralizing. very demoralizing because you then judged on your turnover. But hey-ho, I suppose that's a lie. If someone isn't getting to that scale and that turnover, is there any advice you could offer them in terms of how to make themselves heard? Networking. Do you know, I don't like networking. I will say it here. I really don't like it. But Oh, I call it dot connecting. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, and at the beginning, you'll end up going to lots and some of you'll think, oh, why did I bother with this? But it really is important. You know, I that one, well, two things I went to. One, I found my digital marketer in London. And the secondly, the, the Alison Rose report I ended up having a fantastic relationship with Nat West. I then went on to, as I said, look at investment and, and it was just a, a great progress. So I would say, just put yourself out there, find the time. And actually, it's quite nice going out for a coffee and mm. meeting other like-minded people because it's so lonely out there. So yeah, carve out time and really prioritize it as a to-do and not a nice to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And are there any last golden nugget pieces of advice you'd like to offer a new founder and encourage them to start their company that they might be debating? My piece of advice would be, you, you can't, half-heartedly go into something well you can but it probably will just be a career as opposed to a business and that's okay if that's what you want always always turn up as you mm -hmm. I will not leave a meeting unless I understand what's going on and believe me new I've stood in meetings with banks with accountants with suppliers with scientists going I don't understand that can you explain that I don't understand that can you explain that you've just explained it I still don't understand it and you can see them getting really frustrated. What is the point of me not understanding? So just ask. People like to talk and get out there, meet people. And you, you know, you have to believe. I, I say, I'd say the biggest, biggest two things is if you don't believe in your product or service, forget it. You've got to believe in it and you've got to believe in you. That's fantastic. And it's just so important. I think you need to write it on a piece of paper and put it above your laptop. So you, if in doubt, read that back. <laughs> 
You know, I remember years and years ago, so I'm probably talking about eight, nine years ago now, I used to have a little notepad on my bedroom, my bathroom mirror, say, you are enough. That's it. I'd look yeah. at it every single day. I don't That's anymore. Really, That's really powerful, actually. You've got to speak to yourself in a language that you want to hear because we're so good at putting ourselves down. I've got this, I, you know, I used to call it the monkey in my head and it chit chats at me and it's like, oh, here you go, Max, you stupid woman. And when I hear that now, I laugh. That inner critic, yeah. Yeah, here you go again, you know, and turn it off. Be aware, become aware of it first and then laugh. Well, someone told me, yeah, laugh at it, give it a silly name, a silly voice and ridicule it and say, yeah, I hear you. You can come along, but you're not going to influence my day to day. And then I heard a different podcast this morning that was talking about turning it into a coach rather than into a critic, turn it into a coach and speak to yourself like you're coaching yourself and you've got your own corner. But it's, it's uh, yeah, it can be tricky when you've got all the hats to put another one on the yeah, list. But and I, I really, think really the other important. thing I would say is have fun. Oh, my God, have fun. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. You've got to enjoy what you do. You know, yes, there's going to be times you're banging your head against the desk and there's risk and you're scared. That's quite natural. People say to me, are you ever scared? I'm like, Hell yeah. Probably not so much anymore. But, you know, I used to step in bed every morning and go, <gasps> What have I got to do today? You know, I don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and have fun. If you're you, have fun. Oh, well, huge, huge congratulations, Maxine. It's so impressive what you've built so far. I'm just excited to see you in the next five years. If you'd like to contact Maxine, you can find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.